Hey, Sycamore View, I'm talking about connection today. So I'm here playing a game of Connect Four with my youngest son, Noah. Noah, how about you go first? Connect Four is a game where you are trying to line up. You're trying to connect four of your pieces before the other person connects their four. Now what Noah doesn't know is back in high school, one of my nicknames was C4 for Connect Four. Is one of my nicknames, right? Or something like that. All right, keep going, man. So as you can see, there's a red team, there's a yellow team. I'm the red team, he's a yellow team. And you're trying to connect your four. You can do this horizontally, vertically, diagonally, it doesn't matter. It takes a little bit of strategy, it takes a little bit of skill, and probably just a little bit of both of those. Um, now for those of you math whizzes out there who really love stats and stuff like this, in a game of Connect Four, there are 4.5 trillion possibilities of what could happen in one game of Connect Four. Keep going, Noah. Now, one thing about Connect Four is this. Like, you can't just focus on your strategy because if you're only focused on you trying to get your four in the right place, you're not focusing on the other team. So you're trying to focus on your four and you're trying to block the other person. So there are times where you want to get in their way. There are times you want to stop them from uh, connecting their four. You want to create an obstacle, a roadblock. And in the game of Connect Four, uh, there are times where you form a plan and you think the plan's going to work. And then people block your plan and you're having to come up with other plans and other, other strategies. I think I'm about to, uh, see like that right there. Like he just steps in and he blocks the path. So part of the game of Connect Four is you were trying to connect your pieces and the other is you're trying to block the, the whoever you're playing against from, oh man. <laughs> I was talking and I wasn't watching, so I guess you win, but we're not gonna do this take. We're gonna do another take so that I can win in that take. Yeah. Yeah, Justin, cut this one. We're done. We're doing, gonna do another. We're gonna do another one. Hey, good morning, Sycamore View. To our Sycamore View family and to friends, uh, welcome to our worship service today. I wanna talk about connection. I know a lot of you have played the game Connect Four before, but I want to talk about connect and disconnect today. Now, the word connect or disconnect, they, they don't show up a, a lot in the Bible, but there are words similar to the words connect or disconnect that do. Words like uh, abide, remain, being joined together, knit together, or words like disconnects, like uh, transgressions or sin or obstacle. So there, there's a connection to God and a connection to people that happens, and, and there's so many things that disconnect us from God and that disconnect us from people. The vision of Sycamore View that we went public with a couple of weeks ago is this. Sycamore View Church exists to awaken people to the greatness of Jesus. As the Holy Spirit works to awaken us to all the ways God is restoring the world, we respond with joy, adventure, and courage. Through core values and commitments, we want to align our behavior and our actions with what it is God wants for people, for Memphis, and for the world. We join in the awakening. So here at Sycamore View, for a few years, we've talked about the five commitments. That there's discover, connect, serve, give, and go. 
Discover, connect, serve, give, and go. That's the second one. The second commitment here is to connect, to connect people to the body of Christ, to connect people to God. And we laid out, I laid out the eight core values of our church a couple of weeks ago, and I'm kind of unpacking one or two of those each week, and then I'll come back later on in August or September and unpack a few more of those. I want to talk about two of our core values today. One is this, that we are passionate about connecting people to God. We are passionate about connecting people to God. And the other core value I want to talk about today as well is this, that we, uh, uh, we, we are honored to carry the ministry of reconciliation. That we are passionate about connecting people to God and we are honored to carry the ministry of reconciliation which is laid out in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I invite you to be open your Bibles today to Luke chapter 19. It's a story that our, our, our location here at Sycamore View, we are, we are at 1910 Sycamore View Road. The mission of our church is helping people see Jesus. Today I want to walk you through Luke chapter 19. It's a story about connection. It's a story about Zacchaeus. I also want to remind you and let you know, that coming this Wednesday for the next four Wednesday nights, Jim Hinkle and I are going to be leading the church through our vision and through the eight core values, and we're going to be bringing in voices from elders and ministers and people in the church to speak into our vision, and just so we can process it a little bit more as a church. So I hope you'll take time over the next few Wednesday nights to jump on and to join us. So let me ask you this. When it comes to connection, how we are trying to connect, much like the game Connect Four. When you think about your connection to God, when you think about times in your life where you felt connected to God, what, what, what were those moments? What is it in your life that has connected you God, to God more than anything else? Is it through prayer? Through worship? Maybe through preaching, teaching, podcasts, maybe through acts of service or through nature? When in your life do you feel the most connected to God? When I see deeper faith being formed in the lives of people, usually there are a few things that go with that. Usually there is this awakening to, to the fact that God is more than just a theory. God is more than just some form of, uh, you know, some philosophy out there. It's when people are able to grasp that the Bible is more than scientific research, but the Bible is pointing us to a real God where there's real faith, it's real life, there's real change, and when Jesus is in us and we are in Jesus that we are asked to do like, like to be part of something real like we can make a real difference in the world and when this happens there is this connection to God but let me ask you this too when in your life do you feel have you felt the most disconnected from God Maybe you've had a season in your life where you were just overwhelmed with some hardcore doubts or confusion about faith or God or the church or human betrayal or betrayal by a church. When, when have you felt the most disconnected? You know what's strange sometimes? is Some, some people have experienced uh, chronic pain or forms of illness or even having loved ones pass away where people have felt isolated and disconnected from God and connected to God through the same experiences. Like there's pain that hits and there are moments we feel so far from God and moments where that same pain is drawing us so close to God. When in your life have you felt the most disconnected? And have you ever had a time in your life where much like Connect Four, you formed a plan, there's a strategy, you think it's going to work, and all of a sudden there's like, you're, you're, you got your plan going and all of a sudden there's a roadblock, there's an obstacle, something keeps you, keeps that plan from happening, it gets in your way and you have to, you have to adapt, you have to pivot, there's a, there's a new way that you have to go in your life. 
So personally, there are times in your life where you have been connected and personally when you've been disconnected. And now, let me ask you this. When we start thinking about that we're passionate about connecting people to God, when we start thinking about reconciliation, that we are carrying this, we are, the, the honor of the ministry of reconciliation, connecting and reconciling people to God and connecting people and reconciling people to each other. When we take this seriously, how does this play out in our lives? Whether you call people who are disconnected from God seekers or the unchurched or the lost or whatever you may place on them, uh, why do you think people are disconnected from God today? And some of you, your immediate response, maybe it's because of the liberals or it's because of the fundamentalists or it's because of SEC football or whatever else it may be. Why are people disconnected from God? You want to know the best answer? Go and find people who are disconnected to God and ask them, Without you having an agenda, but just to honor what is inside of people, just ask them, why is there a disconnection with God right now in your life? And ask without getting defensive, and just see what people say. It may educate you. It may help you be more prepared as you engage people in relationships down the road. But you know what you want to know what's happened? Is a lot of times, the church is the obstacle that's keeping people from God. And, and there are times where we, the church, I'm not just talking about the Sycamore View Church, I'm talking about the church around the world where we can create so many hoops and loops. We're trying to invite people into the gospel story. is like inviting people into a, a gospel obstacle course where they're having to jump through all kinds of things and belief systems where a lot of times what is going on inside of somebody is, hey, I'm dealing with chronic stress right now and I've heard that there was this person, Jesus, who may be able to help me. And sometimes the church's response is, well, hey, we have a question for you. For you? Do you prefer new songs or old songs? And people are like, I'm just dealing with this anxiety and this brokenness and I've heard there is someone named Jesus who can help me. And our response may be, well, what's your theology of the end of times? And, 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 and we start going to theology where sometimes what people need is the simple gospel message of Jesus. That's it. Paul says it like this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19. Paul says, Though I am free and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Paul says he's willing to become like all people that he may win some. And too often the way we behave is we want people to become like us and if they prove to us that they are kind of like us, then we'll allow them into the family. But the way Paul goes about it is, hey, I will become like all people so that I can help them know who Jesus is. Paul was desperate. He was passionate about just connecting people to God in all places everywhere. It was on his mind. It was the burden of his heart. He wanted to connect people to God. So in your Bibles in Luke chapter 19, it's one of my favorite stories. The first 10 verses of Luke 19. Now keep in mind, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem where within a few days from this story, he's going to be hanging on a cross and he's going to die. In chapter 19, verse 1, you see Jesus is just passing through Jericho. He's passing through. He's not going there to stay the night. For what we know, he's not there to eat a meal. He's passing through Jericho. And as he does, there's this huge crowd that gathers. And there's this guy named Zacchaeus. And the Bible tells you, he's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And he's rich. He's wealthy. This is a guy with power, with influence. If he's a chief tax collector, there's a good chance people know his name. They know his reputation. He's probably cheated a lot of people out of money before because if you're a tax collector, especially then, you could charge people anything you wanted to. They had to pass by your booth to get wherever it is they wanted to go. So Jesus is passing through town. Zacchaeus, is, he's a chief tax collector. He's rich and he's also short. 
And he wants to see Jesus. Now here's the thing, the crowds were pressing all around Jesus. Zacchaeus couldn't see Jesus. So one way I want you to think about Luke 19 verse 1 through 10 today is I want you to think about connection and obstacles. What are the obstacles that are in the way of Zacchaeus encountering Jesus? What are the obstacles that are there and how is there a divine connection that takes place? There's this huge crowd and Zacchaeus can't get to Jesus because of the crowd. And it may be because the crowd was so big, and it may be because some of the people in the crowd didn't want Zacchaeus getting close to Jesus because they knew his reputation. They didn't want to let him in. So he's somewhere on the outside. And this is where a lot of people, where there's an obstacle keeping you from Jesus, keeping you from something deeper, this is where a lot of us quit. And maybe it's not that we quit, we just settle. Well, at least I could say I was kind of close to Jesus. At least I could say I was here and he's over there. Maybe I can't see him clearly, but I, I'm not going to go through the process of trying to get super creative of, to, to do what it has to take for me to get closer. Zacchaeus decided to get creative. He wasn't going to settle. He wasn't just going to go home that night and say, well, it was kind of nice just being close. He decides to climb a tree. He climbs a tree so he can get a better peek of who Jesus is. So he climbs a tree and then Jesus sees him, sees him and Jesus says this, Hey, Zacchaeus, I want you to come down from the tree because I'm coming to your house. Jesus kind of intrudes upon Zacchaeus, right? He says, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your house and we're going to eat a meal and I'm, I'm coming to hang out with you. And then there's another obstacle because people were kind of upset about this. Why would Jesus go to eat in the, in the house of a sinner and a, and a tax collector like that? There's another obstacle, but Jesus didn't care because this hospitality was not going to be a place where the kingdom of God was going to be birthed in the home of somebody. And when Zacchaeus sees that there's Jesus who's willing to go and encounter Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus right there on the spot makes some changes and some commitments in his life. Because of that connection to Jesus, Zacchaeus says, Hey, I, half of what I have, I'm going to give it to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to repay them four times. I'm not just going to make up what I cheated them. I'm going to repay them four times what I've done. The power of the gospel can do this for people. Where the salvation that comes in Jesus, the connection in Jesus can bring life change. The salvation in Jesus can bring justice for the world. Salvation in Jesus can open our eyes to be part of a different story, a better story that is good for the entire world. There are people all over the this, this city of Jericho that reap the benefits from Jesus' connection to one person. Through Jesus' connection to Zacchaeus, restoration is going to spread over, Jer over Jericho. And then you read this in Luke 19, verse 9 through 10. It says, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. And listen to this. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. It's not all the time Jesus would make statements like, I came for this. You get a few of them in the Gospels. And here's one of them. I came to seek and to save what was lost. Jesus doesn't say, I have come to protect the establishment or to keep safe people inside some little shelter. It's I have come to seek and save the lost. We need the audacity of Zacchaeus which is the willingness to get creative and to go to extremes, to get a better view, a better picture, a greater connection to Jesus. And we need the beating heart of Jesus who is willing to reach to people like Zacchaeus. Because if Zacchaeus is invited into the kingdom of God, what makes you think you wouldn't be? If Zacchaeus, a chief tax collector, somebody who's cheated people almost his entire life, if he's invited into the kingdom story, what makes you think you aren't invited into the kingdom story? 
And if Jesus is willing to reach out his hand and to change his plans for someone like Zacchaeus, Jesus is passing through Jericho. He, there, he was moving from plan A to plan B, but Jesus was also always in tune to what it is God may be up to in that day and in that time. And right there, God instructed and, and orchestrated this encounter between Jesus and Zacchaeus. And if Jesus is willing to reach his hand to someone like Zacchaeus, who are the people in our neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our communities that God's asking us to do the exact same thing for? You know what launched this whole vision of awakening for us? It was last July, we started this process as leaders of just looking at, God, what does your heart beat for? God, what are the holy aches? What are those gospel burdens? How does your heart bend? God, what does your heart beat for? And we started thinking about, what is it? What are those burdens on God's heart? Those things that like just, like you read the Bible and you're like, man, without a shadow of a doubt, God is passionate about that right there. And when we started forming and shaping these eight core values, what happened is we started thinking about, okay, what is it that generates passion and what is it that cultivates behavior? And as we were looking at these burdens and these holy aches in the heart of God, it started shaping behavior and it started bringing about passion in us. When you start thinking about how God's heart bends, it, 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 it begin, you become more compassionate to people throughout the world. This whole COVID-19 thing, has impacted everyone. Like COVID-19 knows no boundaries, right? COVID-19 has, has gone after white people, black people, Latinos, people in the eastern part of the world, the western part of the world, northern, southern hemispheres. It's gone after everybody. And I think we can also acknowledge that there's another disease moving throughout this country right here that's been a part of our DNA and our fabric since the history of our country. And I love, I love the United States of America and because I love the United States like I love almost anything. Anything that I love, I'm not afraid to critique it and to call out some of the demons. And there are these forms of racism that are so deep. Our African American, our black brothers and sisters over the last week and a half, over the last few weeks, for some of them, just for, for years of their lives, they're reminded constantly of forms of oppression and injustice. And just over the last couple of weeks, for the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, for what happened to Christian Cooper in Central Park up in New York, just the other day, the death, the murder of George Floyd. And I think of my black brothers and sisters who wake up having these conversations with your kids. And then people will sometimes reach out to me and they'll say, Josh, you know, you don't have to say something every time something happens, and I know that. And then other people will reach out and say, Josh, you've got to say something right now. And, and, and all of us kind of feel that tension of what are we supposed to believe and how do we stand up and how do we not, not be silent? And if we don't want to be silent, what is, it, what is it that we say? And I hope the sermon today can help you as you navigate things like this right here. If we're passionate about people being connected to God and if we carry the honor of the ministry of reconciliation... The connecting and reconciling people to God and being a part of how humanity is connecting and reconciling to each other will begin making more sense.
As we look to the heart of God and we think, okay, God, what is it that makes you angry? And we remove our biases. We remove the, the news outlets and, and how they are trying to tell us how to think about certain events. We remove them and we look at the heart of God. God, what do you get angry at? And teach me how to harness that same anger. God, how do you grieve? And teach me how to grieve in the same kind of way. God, what does your heart beat for? And teach me and teach the church to do the same thing so that we can stand with people and we can stand for people. And we can implement what it means to be peacemakers in this world. In my prayer time, over the last couple of days, I'm not afraid to say, okay, God, right now in this prayer, black lives matter. And when I say that or when I pray that, I'm not saying black lives matter than every other life. I'm just saying that black lives matter too. And there are times I just have to call out certain people in my prayer time. Black lives matter. Latinos lives matter. The rich matter. The poor matter. Because all these people matter to God. So in our hearts, when we're passionate about connecting people to God and reconciling the world to God, we're not afraid to listen to people's narratives and to be a part of how God's bringing all of this together for the good of the kingdom. I had a low spot in my life a couple of years ago. And I remembered I just had a few days with God. I was like, God, you know what I need right now is I need somebody in my life who I can share the gospel with. And in a matter of 24, 48 hours, there was someone God placed in my life who didn't know who God is. Who was I, I was able to share the gospel with. I was able to be there with them as they were baptized into Christ. And I, I don't think God just responded to, the, to my prayer. I think God was aligning a few different things together. And it just, it was for the good of the kingdom. When I was a senior in high school, I was a part of a pretty strong evangelistic movement. We had a passion in the life of the church. There was a, a few people I was with at the time that we were just laying before God. Of God, we want to help connect people to you. I was on a youth group trip and we were on this bus. And I remember coming back from this mission trip. Where we, had, we had experienced God do some pretty amazing things. And as we were driving back, I was standing at the back of the bus with some friends. And I remember thinking, okay... Who on here doesn't know who Jesus is, like has never made a profession of faith, has never committed their life to Jesus? Who are they? Because I want, I, want, I want them to know that there's a story that they are invited into. The only person on that bus was a kid who wasn't a part of our youth group. He was a visitor, and he was, a, he, he was there on the trip with us, but this kid was full of so much anger. He, he was battling uh, deafness, even though he now had a hearing aid where he could hear and he could read lips. There was just so much anger in his life. He was the only one that we knew had never confessed Jesus as the Lord of his life and had been baptized. So I went and I sat and I started trying to talk to him, and like, man, he was not interested in conversations of faith at all. And the night before... He was going to go back home. He let the people he was staying with know that he was willing for me to come over and have a Bible study with him, so I did. And I was walking him through the stories of Jesus and the power of the gospel, and it was like nothing was working at all. And then I looked over at the TV, and there was the movie Aladdin. And I was like, man, did you watch Aladdin last night? And he's like, yeah, we watched Aladdin. He was a little embarrassed by watching a Disney movie. And I was like, man, do you remember that scene in Aladdin where... Aladdin is looking at Jasmine and he's about to jump out a window and he reaches out his hand and he says, Jasmine, do you trust me? And she didn't know if she should take his hand or not. But then when she took his hand, they jumped out of window and they ended up jumping to safety and getting away from these people who were chasing them. I said, do you remember that? He's like, yeah, that was, was a funny scene. I said, man, 
when you choose to follow Jesus, it's, it's the same way. Like Jesus is reaching out his hand and Jesus is saying, do you trust me? Will you, will you come with me? And we take that hand and we make the jump, sometimes not knowing where it's going to take us or where it's going to lead us. We just, we just take the hand and we jump. And he started to tear up. He started to share just in his life. His parents had divorced. There was all this anger that just in his heart. And I remember when I baptized him, I've never seen someone come up out of the water so full of joy. His arms, I mean, water was slinging everywhere. He was just so excited to be a part of the family of God. It blew me away. And it also gave me a vision for what the church is supposed to be about. That if we take seriously what it means to be passionate about connecting people to God, and that we carry the honor of the ministry of reconciliation, the burden God will give us as a church. Isn't that once a year we may experience God drop in somebody in the life of our church who doesn't know who God is and we get to celebrate a life in God. Maybe it's a we will be surprised when a week goes by and it doesn't happen. That we'll be surprised when a week goes by and we weren't blown away by some connection, by some form of reconciliation that has happened. When we begin to carry the core values and experience the awakening of God, you will see that you are invited to be a part of it right now in your life. God is eager to use you for the good of His kingdom. And if He could use somebody like Zacchaeus, He could use somebody like you too. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads? Let's pray together as we are about to transition into communion. And God, I hold up this story today in Luke 19. I hold up connection and reconciliation. I hold up the tragedies that have happened in our world, both through a sickness and also through just racial tension and forms of hatred. I hold these up to the only one who can breathe and bring the restoration we need, both in our own hearts and all around us. I ask God for deposits of your kingdom in, the, in our lives and in this church right now. In the name of Jesus, amen.